0: De defending your right to speak and to listen. This is the Free Speech Union podcast. Welcome to the Free Speech Union podcast. I'm Annie O'Brien, a member of the Free Speech Union Council and your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by Craig Lord. Craig is in full campaign mode as he's running to be Mayor of Auckland. Thanks for joining us, Craig. How's the campaign going?
1: The campaign's going
0: fantastic.
1: I'm actually quite excited with the way it is. So, So thanks for the invitation to have a chat.
0: And um, do you want to just give our listeners a, a short spiel about who you are and why you are interested in being the mayor of Auckland?
1: Yeah, difficult to do short, but I'll do my best. <laughs> um, so um, look, I'm a former engineer and and it was a pretty advanced trade type of engineering. It wasn't like a welder or a, a machinist, which is still advanced, but I was maintenance and diagnostics in hydraulics and pneumatics, and I specialized in factory automation Mm-hmm. So my background is is being called in to solve other people's problems, which is a good thing. And then for the last twenty years, I did a complete switchover in my career path. And after sixteen years of of fixing people's problems, I went into media freelance, following predominantly motorsport, but it has um, broached into other aspects of of events and and storytelling, kind of media work, nothing, no news stuff, uh, aside from when I had a stint on ZB, so mm. that was really, really it, um, so that's really what I've done for 35 years, and uh, in the personal side of um, my wife and I, have, have we're teenage sweeties, so we met when I was, I think, 17, she was just about to turn 16, we've been together since then, married 26 years, 24-year-old daughter and son turns 21 in October.
0: Oh, love I a, love a high school sweetheart story.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is a bit like that. And uh, yeah, it is pretty cool. The more I look on it, yeah, that's pretty neat.
0: It is. Now, um, we've been asking candidates about, you know, all over the country, uh, about their stances on free speech issues um particularly mm-hmm. as they pertain to local government and it's fair to say we've had some mixed results so can i ask what are your thoughts on the the, the general importance of free speech in new zealand today
1: yeah that, that's a good question how important is it it's it's vital in my opinion you you need to be able to say what you want as long and and i guess this is where the lines get blurry is when it goes into hate speech or mm-hmm. um, pure racism or, or things like that. And that's when I, I personally draw a line. Um, but other than that, freedom of speech should be, you know, you, you say what you mean or what you think and whether people like it or not, well, tough cookies to them. If they want to get offended by it, That's that's their decision, not the person that said it. Um, But again, as long as it doesn't encroach a line, I still don't really have a definitive line. Uh, For example, on social media, if people, as I'm sure you're aware, it can be quite a cesspool, particularly on Mm -hmm. Twitter, and you either decide to block someone because they're simply just being an annoying troll, and that's something different, or whether they're genuinely a hate person. And if they're a hate, then you, you get rid of them. But if they're just spewing their narrative and their rhetoric to their opinion, well, that's their opinion. And so fine, go for gold.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that that definition of hate is where we all kind of have a challenge. And especially mm. if we look at some of the, um, you know, uh, well, the lack of definition that we got around um, the proposed hate speech laws from central government recently, um, that is the challenge, is defining what is hate uh, and where that line is. Um, We've worked uh, at the Free Speech Union with a number of organisations and individuals who uh, have been impacted by, I guess, the censorious culture of various councils around the country. So we've had um, people whose events have been cancelled, speakers have been barred, um, and some councils have been taken to court. Um, what's your assessment of why councils have increasingly waded into debates about whose ideas are accessible and who can use council facilities?
1: I think it stems from the, the current crop of um, leaders in, in council, I I say that with uh, speech marks and and visible Mm -hmm. in the air. Our leaders are deciding what they think is good for the people, and that's not right. It's up to the people to decide. So if someone wants to hold a conference or or a meeting or a a speaking session and you're not happy with what they've got to say, then don't go. And so it's not up to the council to say, we don't want that here. That's, that's not their job. Council is not the, um, the moral police. Their job is to provide core services. And part of that is providing venues. And if the venue is hired, then so be it. If people want to protest outside, good for them. That's freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. So that's where I sit on it. The council shouldn't be, again, unless it's seriously going into uh, racism or hate speech, and again, here's the blurred line, mm. where, where, where do you stop it? Um, <clears throat> and even, see, even then you're, you're now being hypocritical because I say the council shouldn't define what people can hold mm. an event over except for And uh, yeah, that's that's even even myself. There's a bit of hypocrisy there, I guess. But
0: yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? And it is. Yeah, um, you know, as the law stands now, we've got this um, threshold of incitement to violence, and I think um, definitely, you know, the Free Speech Union, we are very very hardline when it comes to standing up for free speech. However, we can appreciate that it's a different matter when it's an incitement to violence. However, as we've um, experienced time and again, the definition of what violence is is also about up for grabs, apparently. Um, and we're increasingly told that words can be violent. So that just complicates it a, a little bit more. Um,
1: yeah, you're right, it does. And, mm-hmm. and I struggle with that because, you know, I grew up with sticks and stones, break your bones, <laughs> words will never hurt you and yeah. um, and and I taught my two children that if you're being bullied at school by words, don't worry about it it's it's nothing. who cares if they lay a hand on you, well that's different um and if they're if someone's trying to uh, to force someone to hurt another person physically, mm-hmm. then that to me is inciting violence
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now so Auckland-
1: I, 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 that part's pretty clear,
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, Now, Auckland Council, um, so the the very council that you are running to lead, um, has been engaged in some consultation, and it has been quiet consultation, not many people are aware of it, on how they can create what is actually a preferential system for booking council venues. Basically, it would give um, quote-unquote approved or um, special organisations the ability to effectively veto bookings from those that they don't agree with politically. Um, so they've, it, it's been led by um, the their rainbow board um, at Auckland council. Uh, and it hasn't been particularly um, uh, friendly to, to criticism of this approach. Um, and um It's likely to result in um, some groups uh, not being able to uh, access these venues. This is likely in response to the fact that Auckland Council had to settle a case with Speak Up for Women after uh, the group won a court case against uh, Palmerston North Council for cancelling bookings. Um, So it isn't existing in a vacuum. What appears to be happening is they've realised that they'll get in trouble if they uh, you know, don't listen to um, the Human Rights Act. Um, so they're finding a workaround. What would you do as Mayor of Auckland to manage a situation like this? Or perhaps you, you think it's a good idea.
1: Uh, no, that's disturbing somewhat that they're trying to uh, backdoor the system and backdoor human rights and backdoor free speech. So I'm pretty clear uh, that the position of council is a venue core service supplier. And if, if an entity wishes to hire a venue, then as long as it, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, as long as it meets the grade, I'm talking about you, you don't want paintball in there, is what I was <laughs> getting at. Um, but but if they're having a speaking event, then again, as long as it's not a riot inciting event, um, I don't think council should be stopping it. It is very difficult, like as we've been saying, though, on, on the line of where do we draw the line as, as responsible citizens? Um. <laughs> but i guess i guess everyone's got the right to say what they want and and again if it's if it's inciting violence at at the function then i'm i'll probably have a problem with it
0: mm-hmm. and and how do you think that council can deal with uh those people uh, elected and in administrative uh roles for council who who do want to proceed with these kind of um Policies whereby they can preference different groups and and block others.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess they've got a right to their opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: at the end of the day, it's not their opinion that is important. It's the people's opinion because mm-hmm. you're in that position to serve the populace and you're not there to dictate to them what they can and can't do. Generally, mm-hmm. so uh, I would be going in and telling them, no, you have no right to be doing this. This isn't um, this, this isn't saying that people can drive at one hundred and sixty kilometers an hour on Auckland transport roads, mm-hmm. uh, which is we know is, is you can't do it. And they'll say, well, this is blurry because it's about freedom of speech. I'll say, no, it's not. You can't do this. You can't tell the people that they can't have something because it hurts your moral code. Mm-hmm. And that's how I believe we should be. Um, and simply, if they're offended by it, well, that's a them problem, not right. a not a me problem or a general public problem.
0: Right. And uh, in general, what steps would you take to ensure councils um, or your council, uh, uh, we're prepare- um, promoting uh, principles of free speech and tolerance.
1: Yeah, that that is about leadership, isn't it? So that's about um, standing my ground and and making sure that the population, and the elected custodians of Auckland, and the employed um, staff inside council, are fully aware of my. Uh, stance and my beliefs. And they have to be reminded many times, if that's the case, that it's not their company and they can't choose certain things that they want people to do and not do. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't own it and they don't own the building. it's actually belongs to the people. So um, we're just temporary custodians and we've got to remind ourselves of that. So I'll be reminding them of that regularly and if if it's still not sinking in and there's still trouble, I'll be doing that quite publicly mm-hmm. and I think it's it's a borderline name and shame situation, but if that's what it's going to take um to to make a mannerism change inside Auckland Council, then I'm willing to do it mm-hmm. i'm not I'm not scared of upsetting them mm-hmm. um by doing a name and shame
0: um so do you see it as a as a culture problem um yes. Yeah, so so it's something that um, can only really be solved by changing the culture of the council and how they approach principles like free speech and tolerance.
1: Correct. So right. you make change by leading with the, the standards you'd expect,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so my standards I will bring to the council, and and hopefully they'll filter through. And if they're not filtering through, I'll be. Uh, working hard to make them understand my position, and I'll be sharing that with transparency with the general population. Because if you're voted in, there's a mandate for your style of leadership,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I'll make sure the people understand that this is what I'm trying to achieve and where I am and am not being successful in it, which is uh, all part of the name and shame situation. So if it happens to be a elected member causing trouble with that, uh, then the public will know if it's an employed person, the public will know. And and I think that's important because then they can't hide behind closed doors, um, um, creating their empire and putting their position above the people. Mm-hmm. And and my position, I'm not. So I've got to, what I'm trying to get here is, the, is that I'm not telling council that it's my way or the highway. I'm doing what the people want. And if the people say, let these groups have their say, then that's what we'll do. If the the population said, we don't want to hear from someone, get rid of them, the majority, then we go, well, the majority have spoken and it's our job to represent the majority. So there we have. Um, But I think the majority are the ones who who prefer a freedom of speech.
0: Mm, I guess... um it's it's easy to um, condemn the speech of others and and try and shut it down uh, when when it's stuff you don't agree with and and then it, inevitably when it, it's your own speech or it's something you agree with it feels very different um, and I guess that's that that's the challenge there as well. Um, speaking of the culture and and council and whatnot. Um we've also seen that those um you know administrative wings or the the unelected parts of council um have been using their powers to censor elected officials um and kind of strong arm them or, or punish them when they have the wrong opinions um and we've waded into this a little bit. um obviously Michael Laws got censured uh, about the um he put, he commented on Facebook um about um, a rubbish issue or something um, and was then handed with a a disciplinary notice um, by the unelected um, uh, officials of his council, Um, this seems to be, um, whatever the intention of of these powers, uh, this seems to to increasingly be a way to tell off councillors and and, and mayors um, and prevent them or punish them for for speaking or acting in a way that the the administrative wing don't like. Does this concern you, or um, do you think this is an issue?
1: Uh, it, it definitely is. In fact, a recent one was John Watson mm. being served a, a a what do they call it a code of conduct? I think inside mm. Auckland Council, no. uh, which was disgraceful. It was it was purely to try and shut him down. Uh, it was a cancel culture style of approach and it should never have been allowed to happen. And the mayor should have um, uh, chastised quite heavily the councillor that did it. it. It was, it was not good. And it shouldn't be allowed to happen like that. And it happens too much inside Auckland council where they go and in, in simplistic terms, running off to mummy and daddy mm. and and telling tales and that's not what they should be doing at all. So uh, I disagree with um, that sort of thing happening, and we've got to change that culture as well. But I, I don't know whether that's changeable because there's always going to be those sort of people. If they're not getting their way, they'll, they'll in simple terms, go sookie la la and and start to cause problems. And, well, I don't go for that. Um, I couldn't yeah. be any more un-PC. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, they, they need to... Um, and they need to grow up a bit and take criticism on the chin and not go running off to a big boss somehow with a code of conduct, especially when it's a pathetic one.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that perhaps in this instance it is something that can be solved with um, policy or legislative change, um, whereby um, perhaps these powers are uh, taken away from um, the uh, administrative wing? Um rather than simply a culture
1: change I don't know actually I don't know if it can be stopped because I guess you'd have to have a definition yeah of of what is
0: those um, damn definitions
1: definition <laughs> yeah what is a what yeah. is a code of conduct bre- breach and what isn't I mm-hmm. think having it there is fine I personally wouldn't use it I'll I'll have a conversation with whoever's causing problems and Yeah, that's how I would do it, Um, but if they want to submit one, uh, I think in the culture change, we have to make sure that if it's thrown out, that they realise the folly of what they are doing and they're put in their place. Um, so we don't have to come down on them like a ton of bricks. We've just got to make sure they understand whoever's done it, that what they're doing is not in the best interests of the people uh, or council. Um, and yeah, and things I just get very think, expensive
0: think, as well, don't they?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they've got to understand what they're doing. And And again, that could be done via a name and shame. It depends on the level of it, I guess. And that can only be decided at the time something happens. Um, or you keep it indoors, and you say, "Look, what you've done is is wrong." I strongly recommend you don't do it again because there are consequences for what you're doing, and that's the public finding out what you're doing. And once you've got the power of the people behind you, things things get a little icky. So, for for those who are causing problems, um, and that's the power of the of the influence of the mayor as well, because whilst you don't have a ton of power directly, you do have the influence of office and. Mm. theoretically, you've got the influence of the people behind you, who who you can go and publicly now so easily, particularly with social media, you just got to be careful, you don't make a twat out of yourself. Mm. But you go out there and you say this is happening. Um, and you got to broach it, each one individually, because there will all be slightly different scenarios. But you can use the power of the people to bring others back into the fold and into the mix of sensibility, and in fact, maybe that's a word I should have used earlier in this in this chat is is, is common sense, you know, but a bit of sensibility in our in the way we do things in this world.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of naming and shaming, we've seen um, the media and um, various groups pop up um, and create some lists of candidates uh, who. Uh, beyond the pale and, and we're supposed to uh, avoid. Um, it, a lot of it seems to have been in connection um, with any candidate who who's had uh, links, however tenuous, to uh, Voices for Freedom, uh, who were the um, outspoken group. Um, I believe they were anti-mandate and anti-vaccination um, throughout the COVID um, pandemic. uh mm-hmm. What what are your thoughts on um, on the naming and shaming of these candidates by media and, and various organisations?
1: I think it's fairly disgraceful. Actually, that's not their job, and they've they've gone across a line of being journalists, and they've gone into thinking they are the moral police for the nation. I don't know where they got uh, that idea from. Um, I guess it's grown over time with different editors different journalists getting in, um, different sub-editors, and slowly, I guess, for want of description, our media has been infiltrated with those who believe it is their duty to to no longer be journalists, but be the moral police and, and opinion writers on behalf of everybody, um, because what they say is gospel. And so I find it a bit reprehensible that they're doing what they're doing, and they're I wouldn't say they're borderline. They are interfering with democracy. They are putting their opinions on it. And I've see. I I can do the same thing. I can put up a a list of councillors, local board members that I think people should vote for, but not my reasons. These are just what I believe in. And you feel free to choose. But that's different to calling them out on something, which is what the media are doing. So mm-hmm. so they're interfering with the system. Um, we can't put them in their place, unfortunately because we don't own them and and it you know from the top down is where the the rot starts and I guess it has uh, it's it's a bit shameful really.
0: Have you been targeted by by any of the the lists or anything or anyone saying don't don't vote for this guy he's got dangerous ideas
1: uh not in regards to anything from freedom of speech or or um what was it voices for freedom or anything like that it's it's more just the opinion of of journalists who who don't want me in there mm. um, who who might write something and it's it's a bit snide in in the yeah. way they'll write it um, but again whilst it doesn't offend me and they can write whatever they want it's annoying because it affects the campaign theoretically which is what they want to achieve that's why they do it otherwise they wouldn't do it Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, I've had a had a bit of that across the campaign, uh, on a personal side. Again, don't care. They can say whatever they want, um, but frustrating in regards to a fair democracy and and the way they can affect the system by giving uh, opinion in a from a very very privileged position. Mm.
0: Mm. Now, um, just finally before before we wrap up. Why is uh, free speech important to you personally, or is it important to you personally? Maybe not. <laughs> well,
1: I, I've I've never <laughs> yeah I've never actually thought of it in that manner. I, I'm very outspoken. I'm very opinionated, mm. and I'm I can quite easily offend people. Um, and again, it's that's more of a their problem, not mine, because you know feelings and facts. We all know the. The rhetoric around that, and I guess because I don't get offended, I probably look at it a bit different, and and it's just who I am as a person. So um, I'm quite. I don't. I don't purposely go out to offend people. I just have my say, and people choose or choose not to be offended by what I've said. And and I mean, the perfect example is Twitter, but. That seems to have been set up so people can purposely be offended, and it allows them the opportunity to to share how offended they are. And quite often, I'll be laughing at it, and in, in the background, I'll just I'll just smile, shake my head, and go, "Yep, yeah, you're another one." Um, sometimes, though, I will throw a grenade, and just to see what happens. To to it's almost like a personal experiment, to see, just to see what people's reactions will be. And 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 my wife gets a bit... I wouldn't say she gets pissy. She just gets annoyed. She goes, Oh no, you've done it again. You've thrown a grenade. <laughs> here we go. And, and I'm like, yeah. And I'll sit there smiling. She goes, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do it. I said, well, it's a way and and sometimes it's a way to judge what people think about a topic because you, if you, if you share your point on a topic in a slightly different angle, you can get reactions rather than just mm. you know, rather than humdrum boring. So, so grenade throwing can be quite handy. Um, but look, I, I, We got to. People have to stop being offended so easily. It's almost like it's. You can be professionally offended now, and it's like a trend, and it's meant to make you look cool and this virtue signaling. It's it's got to go because it's affecting humans. It's affecting the way we socialize. It's affecting the way we go about our everyday lives and and make decisions and do things for the betterment. Because you try to do something and someone might get offended by it, and it's ah, here we go again. Um and and I think it's broaching into every aspect of our lives. From from gee, what you when you go out for dinner to the movies to go shopping, there's always going to be something there at the moment that some moral police are putting in to, to protect people that it's not their job to protect. People got to learn to look after themselves and protect themselves. Um and and stop relying on other people to be um, defenders on your behalf, not unless they ask for it. So I guess that's where I sit on
0: it, yeah, I think um often the the whole on the behalf of this group or that group is isn't necessarily done with the at the request or consent of that group. I know that um you know various demographics that I belong to often get invoked and um you know in the name of taking an offense, and I think, well, actually, I would rather um. You didn't invoke us in that, thank you very much. Um, But apparently um, that's not how it works, and certainly not on Twitter, as you say. That is a bit of a toxic wasteland. Now, um, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts uh, with us today and kind of chatting about some of these issues that um, really are important to local government. Um, And uh, all the best for the remainder of your campaign.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation.
0: No problem, and uh, thank you to you, the listener, for joining us today. Make sure that you you do go out and vote in your local government government elections. They are very important, um, and um, tragically often very very poor turnout for the voting. Um, So make sure you you get down and do your do your bit there. Uh, We appreciate all of your ongoing support. Thank you very much. See you later.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. I think I'll go find some grenades to throw on Twitter again.
0: <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Free Speech Union podcast. If you would like to learn more about us or find out how you can get involved or support, you can head on over to fsu.nz or check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Kakutian or anō.